Hello and welcome to NSTA The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I'm Kurt Mackinson, Executive Director, here today with Becky Weber. She is Managing Director of Crime Policy Group that is the NSTA lobbyist. She's been a frequent guest here at The Bus Stop and it's an interesting week going on in Washington, D.C. So welcome back to The Bus Stop, Becky. Thanks, Kurt. Happy to be with you all. So, uh, you know, this past weekend, it was pretty hectic in Washington, D.C., preventing a government shutdown. Uh, what's the latest on the drama we saw over the weekend and, you know, how it all transpired and how it eventually worked its way out? Sure. It, it was quite a week for us uh, political junkies. Um, it sure looked like to us, uh, honestly, until Saturday morning, that we were headed to a shutdown. Um, the two, neither side, uh, as of Saturday morning, had passed a temporary funding bill of continuing resolution, as it's called, to keep the government open and uh, midnight. Saturday night uh, was the deadline. Uh, the agencies had already put out guidance at the end of last week on, uh, you know, how to handle a shutdown, what employees were essential, as had the um, uh, congressional administrative committees had put out guidance to Hill offices, and everyone was advising their clients, you know, what the what the potential impacts would be to services that were important to them, and then. Uh, all of a sudden, Saturday morning, Speaker McCarthy changed course. He had been trying to negotiate with uh, his far right wing all week on things they said they wanted, and and everything just failed. Uh, every time he came their way, they moved the bar. So Saturday morning, he just got fed up and said and um, took a very simple 45-day CR with some disaster money in it um, to the rules committee and brought it to the floor. Um, the significant thing is it did not have uh, 30% cuts, which is what the previous CRZ had tried, had and what the far right wanted. It was just last year's funding levels extended for 45 days, took out um, all the border security, um, additional enforcement and uh, limits on asylum that the far right wanted. He took all that out and just kept the disaster money in for um, several recent disasters across, across the United States. Um, it was very unclear if this would even pass. Um, Democrats initially uh, were upset because they didn't get any time to read the bill and they kind of staged a little parliamentary delay on the floor of the house, um, by asking for a motion to adjourn, uh, which they did in order to have time to come through the 90 page. You know, even a simple bill like that, uh, people forget takes a lot of legislative language. So it was 90 pages of text that they wanted to wade through. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when the vote happened, I was interrupting my college football uh, watching to, to watch the floor. And mm. uh, it did pass uh, with 
uh, only uh, 91 no votes, which were almost all on the Republican side. So it passed with the help of the majority of Democrats. And of course, this is viewed as treason by some of the far right. Um, Then that bill, the the Senate was preparing its own CR uh, that had Ukraine money in it, um, did not have anything on the border, did not have any cuts. But once the House passed this bill, it was around two or three in the afternoon, the Senate switched course and decided to just take up that bill and they uh, in turn passed it um, um, Saturday evening, just within hours of the deadline. So uh, it was very unexpected, uh, uh, frankly, a miracle that nobody thought would come together. Um, so the government is funded until November 17th. Uh, we have only bought, you know, six weeks here. Um, but of course, there is a price to be paid. Uh, for the speaker um, in terms of negotiating that deal. Yeah, it's noteworthy to know that November 17th is the next NSPA Board of Directors meeting. So um, <laughs> maybe we'll get uh, some, <laughs> some live updates um, as things transpire. Uh, in Washington, because as we all know, we have to wait till deadline to really, um, you know, really get passage of these things. Um, so I, I guess the, the central question is, and you answered part of it with the continuing resolution, you know, expiring on November 17th, but where else do we go from here? I mean, there are a lot to unpack. So there's, procedural things, there are political things, um, and then, you know, kind of off to the side is the actual running of the government. Um, so where where do we go? Yeah, no, good good question, Kern, and the, it's a really complicated answer. Um, I mean, the reason we're in this situation uh, to begin with is that Congress has not done its basic work to pass uh, there, there's 12 appropriations bills that fund all agencies in the federal government, um, and it's the Congress's job to pass those bills every year. Uh, the fiscal year uh, began on Sunday, October 1st. Um, it has been 25 years since Congress has done that on time. <laughs> so the fact that we're in a continued resolution is really not new or shocking because, unfortunately, that's the way they have done things for for you know, quarter quarter of a century. Um, mm-hmm. But once uh, you know, the the House has managed to pass as of this point two of those bills. Uh, they tried to pass a few more last week um, because this is one of the demands of the far right. The, the far right didn't want a cigar. They don't want an omnibus. You know, where we glom everything together at Christmas time and have a humongous bill, which is very been the very typical thing so the speaker tried to move four of them last week and the far right uh stopped it because they didn't feel like they had enough conservative policies in them or the cuts weren't deep enough so um that's been the frustration the senate has not managed to pass a single one um so this is this is really a problem 
of the Congress's own making, that they have not, again, done their work in a, in a, in a efficient fashion. Um, I always say if you all ran your businesses this way, <laughs> you'd all be bankrupt. <laughs> but uh, the Congress is, uh, you know, they just very, very good at kicking the can down the road. Um, there are typically multiple continuing resolutions that uh, the Congress has to pass until they finally get their act together. And sometimes it has even gone into the following fiscal year. There have been several times in the last 25 years where they don't get the appropriations done until, you know, March uh, after the start of a fiscal year in October of the previous year. So it's, uh, it's definitely a problem. The far right really was trying to address this in their deal uh, back in January to to vote for Kevin McCarthy to make him speaker. And they currently feel that group, at least some in that group, are disgruntled enough with what he did on Saturday that um, last night, uh, kind of the rabble-rouser in this group is a gentleman named Congressman Gett from Florida. And he uh, uh, has been threatening to do this really since January and uh, this morning he did officially file what's called a motion to vacate the speaker um, and this is a privileged motion. It is something that has not been used uh, since 1910 um, and it's, it's a way to basically take the speaker out of his job. Uh, now what you know what is going to happen with this? Um, Honestly, we don't know. Um, there are lots of smart people up on the Hill, procedural experts who are reviewing precedents on those view, view, uh, reviewing procedures. There are a number of options that could take place. Um, by the time this airs tomorrow, it, it may be over, or at least for this round. Um, but there is an option, for example, for uh, Democrats to to oppose the motion to vacate and vote for to keep Kevin McCarthy in the job. That's very unprecedented for members of the opposite party to vote for the opposite party speaker. Um, but in this situation, there are some moderate Democrats who are sympathetic to McCarthy and believe he did do the right thing to save the government from a shutdown and want him to stop paying attention to the this small group of of uh, rabble rousers in his caucus and work across the aisle in a more bipartisan way. Now, what will ultimately determine whether Democrats feel that they could do such a thing is what the minority leader Representative Jeffries will either give a signal that that's okay or that's not okay. And they generally, most of the members will follow that. Um, there are a lot of Democrats on um, who are like, why should we help the Republicans out of this mess of their own making? Uh, there's that attitude. And then there are those who, who say, look, McCarthy is at least someone we know. Um, if it's someone else that we don't know, things could be worse. So that's some of the thinking. 
There's also a possibility of a procedural motion that could be filed called a motion to table that would be authored by McCarthy Ally um, to basically take this off the slate for the time being. And that is being contemplated as well. Basically, if that got a majority, um, that means that the Getz motion would not be considered. Um, the interesting thing as well to note is while this motion is pending, no other legislative business can really take place. Um, the speaker had planned to try and move two more appropriations bills and, you know, move the, the football down the field. We always use football analogies within NSCA and all of that gets suspended because of this motion. Um, there's also an added complication this week with the schedule in that we just had a long-standing senator die last week, Senator Diane Feinstein from California. Her funeral is Thursday in California, and a lot of members, um, most of the, the Senate is adjourning tomorrow because so many senators want to pay their respects to her, and most of the California delegation in the House will also want to be there. So uh, pretty much the week is going to end by tomorrow anyway. Um, so a lot of moving parts here. I, I really, honestly, uh, it, anything could happen. So uh, that's where it stands right now. Okay. Um, so once again, a lot to unpack there. Um, but I, I, I think from an overall you know, 35,000 foot view of this. Uh, the question to, to raise is that if, you know, the, whoever the speaker is, whether it's Republican or Democrat, if that person, uh, he or she, is kind of held hostage for every kind of individual um, position that person takes, whether you're Republican or Democrat, that can't be a good thing. Um, so, are you really looking at people who are short-sighted versus people who are, you know, long, long range in it? Because as we know, power in that chamber changes, um, and recently changed, you know, frequently. So is this something where, okay, you, you know, folks like Matt Gates will win the battle, but ultimately, um, the American people will lose the war? Um, I, I think that a lot of people feel that way, um, that there are a lot of folks who really are trying to protect the institution of the House of Representatives and really care deeply about that, and, and they should, uh, and feel that this, um, this group are not good students of history, um, don't really understand that they joined a legislative body in which they uh, do not have a huge majority uh, and do not have the corresponding body in the Senate. Uh, they do not have the White House. So necessarily, there has to be compromise in order to move legislation forward. Um, this group and m many of them I, I have known and worked with for, for quite a while, um, they, they are of the mindset and you know, they, they believe this with all of their whole heart that compromise is what got the country into the deficit situation we're in and this overspending situation that they really are, um, very, uh, 
that's probably their main concern. And they, so they have adopted this attitude that bipartisanship and compromise is negative. Uh, and I think the, the majority of the Congress just doesn't view it that way. Um, and I, I do think that they're compromising the institution. Um, there is the issue also that you, if, if they're successful in vacating the speaker, they do not have uh, a candidate to replace them. And somebody has to be the speaker or the House cannot function. So that's another issue is that there's not like somebody in the wings um, that they're pushing or that would get a majority of the Republican caucus to support that even wants the job. So it it really is a precarious moment uh, for the House. Mm, interesting. Now, you, you spoke about the fact that really all legislative business is on hold, you know, during this period. Um, but I, I don't want to skip over that in terms of the NSCA initiatives that, uh, you know, we'll be dealing with. So can you talk about, uh, let's first start with the Willorski and Illegal School Bus Passing Act. Where does that stand? And let's talk about, you know, what are maybe a couple of key provisions in the bill? Sure. Uh, this is a, a, a NISTA priority and has been for four years to address um, the illegal passing of stop school buses, which NISTA identified five years ago as, as the premier safety issue facing the industry um, and got the Stop for School Buses Act introduced uh, in House and Senate, which was ultimately included in the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill of 2021. Um, that those provisions of that bill are being implemented right now by DOT. Um, but we saw some data from the most recent study um, survey last year, which is uh, an imperfect, but kind of the only tool we really have right now to measure the problem that, that illegal passings have increased since COVID and since schools have been returning. But the problem is getting worse, not better. So NISTA uh, leadership, um, after some discussion, decided, you know, we need to go ahead and kind of do a 2.0 illegal passing bill uh, to keep this issue at the forefront and keep the feds focused on it. Uh, we worked with NISTA on what other tools do they need to advance this ball forward and um you know, uh, data, data, data is what we got back from that. So, so this bill, uh, which which was named after Congresswoman Willorski, who led our efforts uh, in the in the last two Congresses, uh, and who unfortunately died a very tragic death in a car accident. Um, her successor, Congressman Yakin, is our leader on the bill in the House along with Congresswoman Brownlee, who was the leader of the first time. And uh, they named the bill after Congresswoman Wolarski. So it is called the Jackie Wolarski End Illegal Passing Act. Um, it is pending in the House. Um, there really is not a lot of opportunity right now to move a standalone bill. Um, most likely this would move in the next Congress as part of the infrastructure bill, which will expire uh, in two years. Um, but we felt like we needed to get it out there now, you know, educate, educate, educate on why this continues to be an, uh, 
a, um, a serious issue. Um, it's also really important to have the bill out there right now to counter a, um, a reiteration of a bill that we have seen for the last nine years, which is a called the School Bus Safety Act, which was reintroduced um, last month by Senator Duckworth from Illinois and Senator Brown from Ohio. That bill would put nine new safety mandates on school buses and their operations. Um, and would be very, very burdensome to the industry. So it's um, also good to have the Jackie Walorski bill out there as a counter, a pro-safety bill on uh, that addresses the issue that really is the main safety issue. And it's also uh, another uh, initiative that been dealt with in the past and, uh, you know, continue to try to address is tax deductibility for search grants. Where does that stand currently? Yeah, we do. Um, this is the issue we've been fighting for about three years um, since the search grants were awarded in 2021. Um, uh, as you know, they were the only form of COVID relief that uh, was not made tax exempt. There were a lot of reasons for that uh, happening and the way the bill was included in an appropriations bill, uh, not a COVID bill um, that couldn't carry tax provisions at the time. Uh, so NISTA, along with our partners on search in the bus industry and the private passenger vessel industry, have been supporting a bill called the Search Tax Exemption Act. Uh, to try and retroactively make those grants that were received and uh, distributed in August of 21. Um, and at that point, the pandemic was waning. Uh, schools were open. Things were reopening. So a lot of our members did have tax exposure in that year. Um, so it, it felt like insult to injury for our folks to, you know, get this federal grant to help you through the revenue losses of the pandemic, and yet you have to declare it as revenue on your tax return. Um, we do have a House and Senate bill, bipartisan, uh, that has been introduced this spring in House and Senate. Um, again, we are at the mercy of really a tax vehicle coming together, a bigger tax vehicle, uh, you know, little tax bill. This is viewed as a little tax bill not little to NSPA members, but in the in the scheme of tax legislation, this is a very small thing, and it needs a bigger tax engine to ride on. Um, I think if an engine uh, does come together, uh, which right now just honestly does not seem very likely, um, given the partisan nature of this Congress, but there, there are some expiring tax provisions and demand uh, to do some tax extenders that have expired. Um, the child care tax credit just expired, which Democrats really care about. So there is a possibility well, that, that a tax bill could come together, and we will be very primed to hitch a ride if that occurs. Uh, uh, a lot going on. Um down in DC uh, on on 
yeah, on the kind of political process end, unfortunately, it puts a little bit of a roadblock on the policy end. Becky, um, if you know folks want to assist the NSTA advocacy program, um, we have members. What do you suggest they do? Well, I would suggest you uh, meet with your members uh, in your district at, at every opportunity. Um, they are home quite a bit on the weekends and they're home during <coughs> congressional recesses of which there's at least one every month. They're home for, for a week. Um, and you can go see them. You can invite them to your facility to meet your, uh, see your facility, meet your employees, show them what you do. Um, we strongly have always encouraged um, members to develop their own personal relationships with with their members. Um, and now is just as good a time to do that as as any other time. And really talk to them about these bills and and how important they are to your business. And ask them to co-sponsor. Ask them to put their name on these bills. Um, all of the information I think is. Uh, on the numbers and the names of the bills, I, I think is on uh, available, publicly available to NISTA members um, and really encourage y'all to do that. You can also just call their offices or email their offices um, and ask to talk to the transportation person if it's the Willarski bill or the tax person if it's the tax exemption bill. We do not, uh, one caveat, we do not have a corresponding Jackie Walorski illegal passing bill yet on the Senate side. We're still working on that. Um, so that would, would be a House-only effort. The third tax bill is pending on both sides of Capitol Hill. All right. A lot of great information there, Becky. Um, once again, our guest at NSGA, the bus stop, Becky Weber, Managing Director at Prime Policy Group. She is the NSCA lobbyist. Becky, thanks for taking a few moments uh, out of your schedule to talk about this. Maybe we'll have to circle back in short order. But at the very least, we'll see you down in um, Frisco, Texas for the fall board meeting. I'll see you there. Thanks, everyone.